Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. There had been abuse in my family, but it was mostly musical in nature. Lovers lament crap. I want something peppy, something happy, something up tempo. I want something snappy. As unlikely as it sounds, a group of 20 somethings is bringing back the authentic Southern soul of the 60s and 70s. I'm Jim DeRogatis from WBEZ and Columbia College. And I'm Greg Todd of the Chicago Tribune. We welcome one of the most talked-about bands of the moment, Alabama Shakes. And we'll review the number one album in the country by Nicki Minaj. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. Early one morning the sun was shining I was laying in bed Wondering if she'd change it all If her hair was still red Her folks, they said our lives together Sure was gonna be rough they never did like mama's homemade dress Papa's bankbook wasn't big enough And I was standing on the side of the road Rain falling on my shoes Heading out for the east coast Lord knows I paid some dues Getting through Tangled up in blue That is Bob Dylan's Tangled Up in Blue from his 1975 album Blood on the Tracks. Now, a Brazilian-based movie production company has acquired the rights to adapt that album into an English-language feature. Mm. Not the first thing I might have thought of in terms of Dylan albums open to interpretation for a movie, but these producers are very determined. One of them, Rodrigo Teixeira, said, Our goal is to capture with a filmmaker who can create a classic drama with characters and an environment that captures the feelings that the album inspires in all fans. Now, there are many conflicting stories about exactly what this album is about. Well, many people think it's his divorce record, right? A lot of the songs have been read into in that way. Of course, Dylan himself has denied everything. He said the album was based entirely on Anton Chekhov short stories. Mm. So who knows what it's really about? But these producers seem determined to turn it into a movie. Jim, I think there's a couple of other albums that spring immediately to mind that I think lend themselves more immediately to the cinematic treatment. Oh, for sure. I'm thinking about something like the Kinks Village Green Preservation Society from 1968. I am surprised that no director has taken this on. To me, it smacks of English country life, incredibly specific songwriting about what life was like, the decay of the old values and traditions in English society. That should be a movie. Oh, it's brilliant. Or I'll give you the 90s analog. Blur's Park Life, which is already halfway to being a movie. Phil Daniels makes a cameo and does some vocals on that record. He's the actor who played Jimmy in Quadrophenia. Now, this is kind of out of left field, but bear with me on this. And I know this is one of your favorite artists, so I think you're going to like this too. Bruce Springsteen 
with The River, his album of 1980. Uh, uh, I kind of see that as a Heart of Darkness-style journey <laughs> up the river of blue-collar American life, you know, around the, re- the start of the Reagan era. I think that evokes that time very specifically in a very cinematic way. Yeah, I think I'd rather see Human Centipede <laughs> 3, okay? All right, Husker Du's Zen Arcade. Yeah. You've got to be with, with me on that, yeah. right? 84, double album, story of a boy's coming to age. It's our generation's quadrophenia. I also think a great choice would be The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway by Genesis from 74, but that's almost too predictable. So I'll tell you a more recent example, Funeral by Arcade Fire. Yeah. What great storytelling. That is a screenplay just waiting to be filmed. Here's a screenplay waiting to be filmed also. Janelle Monae's 2010 album, my favorite album of that year, The Arc Android. Yeah. She based a lot of that on that great sci-fi silent movie, Metropolis. I think this is sort of the Afrocentric, futuristic vision of what that movie might be. I think it's an instant movie. Maybe we're in the wrong business, though. <laughs> maybe we should be producers. What do you think? Well, let's throw it out to our listeners. Maybe maybe they have some suggestions about what would translate as a great movie from an album. Give us a call at Sound Opinions at one 859 1800 You see, most most blokes are going to be playing at 10. You're on 10 here, all the way up, all the way up, yeah. all the way up. You're on 10 on your guitar. Where can you go from there? Where? I don't know. Nowhere, exactly. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to 11. 11, exactly. Who can forget that classic scene of the immortal metal guitarist Nigel Tufnell bragging about how his Marshall amplifier goes up to 11? That, I think, the father of loud is the epitaph by which we will all remember Jim Marshall, the English inventor who died recently at the age of 88. He loved that nickname, the father of (laughs) loud. What a fascinating English eccentric character. Born in the 20s, initially he was a tap dancer. He went on to become a jazz drummer, and then he gave drum lessons for many years in London. One of his students was a kid named Mitch Mitchell, who would later bring his new bandmate into the shop, Jimi Hendrix. That was a fascinating pairing. Hendrix and Mr. Marshall, because in 1962, Marshall, in a little shed out back of the house, began building amplifiers. He could only make one a week, and he was using spare parts left around London from post-World War II. He was trying to imitate what Leo Fender was doing in the United States, but somehow all these spare military parts, they added up to a very different kind of machine. One that in the explosion in the early 60s of English rock and roll with people like Pete Townsend and Jeff Beck and then Hendrix moving to London, one that they all wanted a piece of. You know, I'm a drummer. I am not a guitar player. But when you're in a band, you help haul the gear. Why on earth in this age of digital convenience would anybody still want to haul around a Marshall stack which face it, is the size of a small refrigerator. (laughs) I'll tell you why, Greg. Nothing sounds like a Marshall. You know, we can have classical musicians wax rhapsodic about a Stradivarius, the difference of playing a great violin as opposed to any instrument. That's what a Marshall's like. It does one thing, and it only does one thing. You gotta play loud, and you gotta play heavy. I think the best quote I've ever seen, putting it in perspective, comes from Jeff Beck. He said, if you want to get rude and loud, you got to have a Marshall. I think there's no rock and roll, really, without this instrument. Mr. Fender had a hand in it, too, playing a Fender guitar through a Marshall stack. That's the sound. Here it is. With Jimi Hendrix, a Marshall customer, there is still, to this day, a special Jimi Hendrix edition Marshall amp playing live on the BBC, Purple Haze. This is what that sounds like. this guy
Jimi Hendrix, live at the BBC from 1967 with Purple Haze through a Marshall stack in tribute to the father of loud, Jim Marshall. Listening to Sound Opinions, and that's a song called Hang Loose by our guests this week, the Alabama Shakes. It's a young quartet out of Athens, Alabama, who just released their debut album, Boys and Girls, but they've already received a ton of praise, not only from critics, but from tastemakers like Drive By Truckers Patterson Hood, Jack White, formerly of the White Stripes. That merger of soul and rock that they have perfected has really won over a lot of people in the last year. We recently had the entire band in the studio. Lead singer Brittany Howard, guitarist Heath Fogg, bassist Zach Cockrell, drummer Steve Johnson, and touring keyboard player Ben Tanner. And we began by talking about how Brittany and Zach first decided to write songs together while in high school psych class. Well, I had just been writing my own songs, and I found out that Zach was a bass player. So uh, we just kind of sat in class and talked about music until I decided to ask him if he would come over and take a listen. And uh, that's kind of where it began. He started coming over, and we spent a lot of time learning music and teaching each other different types of uh, music. And uh, we did that for a couple of years before we ran into everybody else. Outside of Huntsville, Alabama, Athens, Alabama, right? What was the vibe like, and how did the two of you find yourselves gravitating toward music? Athens is like a quiet little town, and it's kind of a place you go to, like it's a place you live to work. The music that I think we were looking for is just kind of like a no-holds-barred type deal. Like we just wanted to experiment with things and just make something to do. You guys were kind of exploring kind of music that perhaps was not uh, widely played on the radio in uh, that part of Alabama. I get that you were a little bit outside the normal average high school students listening parameters in, in terms of the kind of music you were bonding over? Well, maybe for our county school, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't speak for everyone else, but like there were people there. I just, they were older. I didn't know them. And, and Zach, like he was just approachable. And I, he was wearing like these band shirts and it was like at the drive-in or in groups like that. He also listened to Modest Mouse when I didn't know, you know, anyone else listened to it. And it was just, we had a lot to talk about and, and a lot of things to share with, with each other. So... When you were writing songs on your own, Brittany, how would you describe them? What were you were you drawing on certain kinds of influences, or were you, it was just all all original stuff, right? That you were working on in your room by yourself. Yeah, it was just kind of a little bit of everything. I was just kind of trying to figure out how to play. I guess like I'd have rockabilly songs and it'd be funk songs and it'd just be weird, really strange, mushed up together songs. And I was just I was just really just trying to fill the time. killing time by writing songs in your bedroom recording them layering vocals and things like that right yeah yeah, yeah. it was a lot of fun well cool so there was just the two of you at the start now it's a five-piece band uh before we go any further why don't we have a song from alabama shakes what are we going to hear Brittany? we're going to play hold on excellent choice
Alabama Shakes, hold on. That's a song that kicks off their first full album, Boys and Girls. Okay, let's pick up this story with you, Heath. Now, we just heard a startling example of what you guys are doing. It's an incredibly sophisticated sound, deep, soulful. How do we get from just messing around with high school songs and covers to this sound? Writing songs was something we all love to do. You know, that's what brought us together. In a small town, you have to have a hobby or something to do, you know, so you don't go crazy. So that's just something we were all doing on our own anyways. So to find each other and have a love for the same type of music and a love for writing the same type of songs, that's what made this band come together, you know, and that's what made it special. For the first few shows we played, you know, it was mostly covers. We would play those three-and-a-half, four-hour-long sets mm. <laughs> at the drinking bars, you know, for the just the crowds that didn't really care, to be honest. But... uh we were always writing songs and throwing our original songs in the sets and things like that. Yeah. But it was we'd get together twice a week and go over, okay, let's learn this new one, whatever. But it was always writing songs. That was a big part of it. Oh, why can't we be best friends anymore? Coming up, more with the young upstarts Alabama Shakes. Then, Jim and I review the chart-topping new album from rapper Nicki Minaj. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott, and that song is called I Ain't the Same from the debut album by our guest this week, the Alabama Shakes. Greg, when you talk about Alabama and its musical legacy, one name has got to come up, Muscle Shoals. Studio musicians from that part of the state created a rhythm and a sound that everybody from Wilson Pickett to the Staple Singers to the Rolling Stones wanted. You can definitely hear that influence in the music of the Alabama Shakes, but it's kind of surprising, considering that the band members are all in their early 20s. During our conversation, I asked guitarist Heath Fogg how they came to fall in love with music that was more than 40 years old. Yeah, I don't know. I Like, Muscle Shoals, you know, is a big part of North Alabama. It's kind of strange how it gets overlooked so often, even by me. You know, as I didn't get into that till I found out Rolling Stones recorded there. Mm-hmm. Then I, dig, I dug and dug, and, you know, it's like I learned stuff every day that was recorded there. So I'm not going to pretend to be some walking encyclopedia of Muscle Shoals music. I got my Muscle Shoals from the Rolling Stones. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was like it took that for me to really get into it but there is a soul influence there i think what jim was trying to get at and you don't necessarily hear that in a lot of music these days yeah. where you're, you're going back to kind of the well the original source of it as opposed to like a second or third hand version of it yeah you know growing up in, in the area you did northern alabama you're only you know less than an hour's drive from muscle shoals i mean did it have any meaning at all to you growing up as a kid yeah absolutely i mean i knew something big happened there i was a leonard skinner fan when i was mm-hmm. 10 years old so i heard sweet home alabama and yeah. heard you know the swampers line in there and all that so I was like, something really important happened there. Zach knows a lot more about that music than me. It was like, I was hearing the music. My mom was listening to Wilson Pickett and things like that, but I didn't know that was recorded right down the road. Mm-hmm. But Zach, you weren't wearing a Skinner shirt when, when Britney saw you. You're wearing Modest Mouse. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's just his shirt, though. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> hey, in high school, a shirt is not just a shirt. <laughs> so, you know, so that, that might have just been like a hand-me-down from my brother or something. A conversation mm-hmm. piece. <laughs> I, I think... We were all got pretty wide range of like what we listened to. It's not just like soul or whatever all the time, but uh, it's definitely a big influence, especially for me. I love it. Somehow it's like in the back of my head all the time. I think people like to pinpoint us with Muscle Shoals music automatically, you know, but yeah. it's like I was more into like Memphis and Stacks and all that than mm-hmm. I was what was going on in Muscle Shoals. That's what I, you know, was researching and digging to learn more on before, so. Well, the other thing about Muscle Shoals, though, we talk, we keep bringing this up, and there was a, a famous rhythm section that uh, came out of there in the 60s and 70s, recorded a lot of stuff, but the diversity of stuff that they uh, recorded. It wasn't mm-hmm. just a certain style of music. Mm-hmm. I mean, they worked with Paul Simon, mm-hmm. and and they put some soul in Paul Simon, yeah. which, you know, might, might have been not as, not, kind of a stretch there, but they managed to do that. When I think Stones, as you mentioned, as well as Wilson Pickett and Aretha Franklin and people like that. So it, it was a it was a diverse kind of style, and I think that's where you guys are coming from as well. It's it's kind of this uh, pastiche as opposed to just like one thing. And now, Brittany, where'd you learn to sing? Because you got that sound. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just kind of always have sang. Nobody ever told me not to when I was little. Me and my cousins used to do it. We used to get together and 
make like choreography to like Hanson songs or TLC songs. <laughs> and we would come out in the living room and we would perform them and charge people like quarters or dollars. <laughs> and nobody ever told us not to do that. And I just always have done that, you know. And I guess when I got older, I, when I was like 13 or so, I started actually playing the guitar and writing songs and such. And, you know, they had words, so I had to sing the words. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing that ever since. And I'm 23 now, so I guess it just kind of evolved here. So you made it, uh, because in, in that song, Hold On, you, you know, there, there's that line right at the start of the song, didn't think I'd make it to 22 years old. Mm-hmm. You're 23, you obviously made it. Mm, I but, did. Uh, <laughs> was there some kind of crisis going on in that in that song where you kind of, that you're writing about, that you, you got through in your life? Oh, I was just, I was a, I was a dangerous kid. I, I got into a lot of stuff, and I was like, wow, it's a miracle that I have grown this far. <laughs> I'm much tamer now, though, uh, than I used to be. You're talking about life-threatening situations? Uh, just, you know, you know, just hanging out with your friends and, you know, being a teenage kid and, and we're driving your cars and, you mm. know, doing all that fun stuff and uh, getting away with it, I guess. Well, we're glad you made it to 23. Me too. How about another song for us? Sure thing. Now we're going to play I Found You. Tell us how this one came together. This song? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wrote this for my ex-boyfriend. Ah, it's one of those songs. Yeah, it's one of those. But I didn't, like... I wrote the words for him. It, yeah. Usually when we write a song, it's like somebody will just start with one idea. It could be just like a riff. And then somebody be like, oh, that's cool. And then it changes. So it was always like a song. It was just more like I didn't have words to it, really. And I just made some words. And really, everybody came together as a collective to write the music. Mm. Yeah. Great. Shall we?
I found you from Alabama Shakes, the new album, Boys and Girls. And uh, what a band. Brittany Howard, Heath Fogg, Zach Cockrell, Steve Johnson, Ben Tanner. EP came out early 2011. I remember two or three months after that, I started getting all these emails from my friends and bands and music business down south saying, you got to check these guys out. And uh, apparently Patterson Hood of the Drive-By Truckers also was checking you guys out. What was that meeting like? How did you become aware that, hey, Patterson Hood is kind of interested in what we're doing and actually brought you guys out on tour with him? How did that happen? That was uh, the blog from L.A. Aquarium Drunkard, Justin Gage, who runs that blog. He put uh, the song You Ain't Alone online with a little picture of Brittany and a uh, write-up about the band and how he felt about us in the song. And, uh, you know, a lot of people responded to that. A lot of people contacted us the next day. But Justin particularly sent that to uh, Patterson Hood. And uh, Patterson Hood just happened to be in town in Florence. And we happened to be playing a show in Florence that week. Mm -hmm. So he came to see us play. And uh, he uh, sent us to his management. That's basically Mm -hmm. how that story happened. And then we got to do, you know, a run of shows opening for the truckers. And now we're signed with Red Light Management. So... Thanks to Patterson. Well, that was quick. That was quick. <laughs> yeah. What was the experience like opening for their audience, which is very dedicated? Oh, absolutely. It's a dream come true for me. I'm a big Truckers fan. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we made that little EP, and I, I was at Hangout Festival in Gulf Shores, Alabama, with a backpack full of EPs, trying to get <laughs> back there and give the Truckers some demos, you know, and it's like mean, mean security. And then he's coming there. to you. Yeah, so it was like for on. them to come and, like, really – enjoy what we were doing that meant a lot to me and to get to play some shows with them was very special well and that's not it right i mean you've had a lot of you've, you've been on tv in the last couple of months you, you had booker t sit in with you yeah. for a show booker now, t jones yeah. how does that happen we were just opening up for him and booker's like i play some songs with y'all we're like of course <laughs> you can play songs with us that was like it was so surreal being on stage and God. i think we're towards our last song and look over at Booker and like, <laughs> grinning ear to ear. And I was just like, yeah. I can't believe this is happening. Like, that was crazy. Things. So Booker T hopped on keyboards yeah. for you guys? So, yeah. Ben, you sort of said, come well, on Well, I, I played on uh, <laughs> Jay Gonzalez from the Truckers is kind enough to let me play on his keyboard rig when, uh-huh. we, when we opened for them. And so Booker had his own B3 set up. So he came out on his B3, and I just switched more to, like, piano whirly. Mm-hmm. Stayed out of the way yeah. <laughs> as much uh, as possible. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be compared. No, to Booker T no. on, on his B3. Ben, ben played a solo while Booker was <laughs> <laughs> Let me take this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did he really? No. <laughs> but, but the swirl of all the excitement in the last six, nine months, is it overwhelming at all, or are you guys taking it in stride? Yeah, it's overwhelming. That's there, like, is it? There. Yeah, we just came back from Europe. Brittany and I did like four days of press. It was like a full work day, four full work days of press. Just, just <laughs> this, over yeah, and over yeah. and over. It was weird. Yeah. That's surreal. It is surreal. And, it, you know, it's an indication of how quickly things can happen uh, when words start spreading virally. And to the point where you're already, there's already one backlash uh, column that I read out there. <laughs> it was like, okay, this is going a little bit. Let them, can we let them have their first album out before we start saying, you before know. Before they, they hate us. They ain't all that <laughs> yet, you know. Does that bug you at all that, you know, man, could we just sort of have a little room to you know, on our own to sort of grow here be, without all this scrutiny every day on us? Well, people say things. Yeah. Haters going to hate. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's scrutiny every day, but there is a feeling like, let's just get the record. I'm just ready for the record yeah, to be out. You know, record, and that, yeah. then you can form your opinions. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. It, se- it seems like such a long time. You know, mm-hmm. it took us a long time to record the record because we work in day jobs and all that. So it's like, this has been a long, long project and we're just ready to have it out. It took us a long time to find each other. That's all the stuff people don't know. When we were all individuals trying to play music in a really small town with no music scene. And it was just really for the love of it. And it wasn't to make any kind of soul revival or (laughs) anything. It was just like, oh, I found this great group of people that want to play like I do. And we found each other and we started playing together. And none of us knew this was going to happen. It just happened. and, And... you know, it's like a, it's kind of like a dream come true, and I mean, I'd want it to happen to anybody else. So, you know, if they want to hate on us, they can go ahead and do it. Stop making fun of us. <laughs> yeah. Well, and people like Patterson Hood or, or or Jeff Travis, who signed you to Rough Trade in the UK. I mean, these are real music lovers. They were not swayed by Pose or mm. or you know, let's let's go sign the new hip soul revival band. 
It took a long time to make. You were working day jobs. Tell us about recording, boys and girls. What were the goals going in the studio? How did it come together? Make a demo to get more gigs, basically. Mm, And that quickly turned from a demo into, okay, the first session we did, we did like five songs that are all going on the record. It was a great session. So let's just make a full length. You know, it's like, I think we can, a couple more sessions, we can make a full length. So a month or two later, when we got to go in the studio again for one day, you know, it was <laughs> a few more songs, you know, and it was like, well, this might take a little longer than we thought. But, you know, it was like it would take a month or two every time between sessions. So it was a uh, but it was fun. You know, we could get together and practice and write new songs. It wasn't like we had 15 songs going into the studio and let's record these this way. It was more just a. Over a period of time, what was happening? Yes. Yeah. So, who, who had the worst day job among the five of you? All all of our jobs pretty much were horrible. No, I like mine. <laughs> Zach liked his. Oh well, he liked it, but I don't know. What were you doing, I've heard, Zach? I've heard horror stories. Uh, I, I worked in an animal clinic, and you were you were delivering the mail, weren't you, Brittany? Yeah, I was, I was delivering the mail. Mm-hmm. It was it's hard work. All the mail carriers out there, if you're listening, keep strong. Yeah, shout out stay, to the mail carriers. Stay positive, because I've been there. There good, you go. Good benefits, though, right? No, no. No? <laughs> I mean, if if you're, like, full-time, yeah. But they don't start you out full-time. It takes about 13 years to get there. <laughs> really? Yes. So you're, like, an apprentice. Uh, apprentice. Male character. Yeah. That I did not know. All so, the work, none of the benefits. Uh, so... So, like, uh, John Prine also was a mail carrier in his younger days and uh, wrote a lot of songs while he was delivering the mail because his mind would wander. Did you ever find yourself doing that? I'm sure I did. Yeah? Yeah. But, I mean, you know... You work for government, you're supposed to be doing that. Yeah, well, you don't want to. <laughs> well, it's okay. You can tell stories about them now. You're, you're not working be, there anymore. Right? Supposed to be watching Road. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, uh, Alabama Shakes, how about another song? We've got, what are we going to hear? We're going to listen to You Ain't Alone. Cause I, I'm scared the stone's gonna take me 
let me be your ticket home. I said you, you ain't alone. But just let me be your ticket home. Yikes. Alabama shakes. You ain't alone. I- I'm not going to let you get away with that answer you gave earlier, Brittany. Cot says, how'd you learn how to sing? You said, I used to come out and sing Hanson songs for quarters. Okay. I, I mean, the uh, range of yeah. dynamics. I mean, that's a bravura performance. Yeah. Right? Well, thank you very much, fellas. And it just comes? I mean, you just do it. Yeah. I mean, I got to warm up a little bit. Uh-huh. Like the first two songs, that's like warm up. And then you get by the third song, you know, you're feeling pretty good. And then by the fourth song, you get your fits in a little bit, a little sweat. Yeah, yeah. But I guess what I'm thinking about is we're living in this age of irony. Mm-hmm. And you really just get up there and let it all hang out. Yeah, I guess so, I reckon. Well, it, it, it's a case of, like, you getting up there on stage. I've, I've seen you do that before, and it's like you get in that space, it seems like the whole band obviously does with you. Uh, but is that difficult to sort of get into that same emotional space where you can play that song that way? You just you play the song for the reason you wrote the song, and you perform the song for the same reason you wrote the song. It's it just happens like you're singing it, and you kind of get back in that space. I don't know. It's like reading an old book or something. You kind of get in that little world, and we all do. And and I, I guess that's how it's done. I don't know. I don't really think about it. Well, it, it seems to me like the song, in in part, is addressing this whole idea of of don't hold back, to say what you really feel. And yeah. you're doing that in that song. It seems like you're you're expressing yourself to the fullest possible extent as opposed to hiding anything. Yeah, but I don't see why you hide anything if you're going to write a song. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're writing a song for people to hear. You might as well just let it go all the way, 100%. Thank you so much, Alabama Shakes, for coming by Sound Opinions. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. You can check out our video of the Alabama Shakes at soundopinions.org and let us know what you think of the retro soul rock revival. Call 888-859-1800. Greg and I will be back after a quick break on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX with a review of the latest from rap star Nicki Minaj.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRigatis, and that is right by my side from Nicki Minaj, born Annika Tanya Mirage in Trinidad in 1984. Her new album is called Pink Friday, Roman Reloaded, and we're going to review it here in a second. But a little background on this artist first. In 2009, she was signed by Lil Wayne to his Young Money Entertainment crew, the first female hip-hop artist signed to that label, and sort of his protege. She got her name out there through a variety of mixtapes that scored on the Internet and also a lot of cameos on key hit records by the likes of Kanye West, T.I., Lil Wayne himself. Finally, her debut album in 2010, called Pink Friday, sold a million copies within a month. And at one point, she had seven singles in the top 100, a first for a female artist. So here we have this woman who has created this persona for herself. Many hairstyles, many accents, outrageous outfits. Is she the hip-hop answer to Lady Gaga, or is Gaga the pop answer to Nicki Minaj? We'll leave you to figure that one out, dear listener. But meanwhile, here's a track from the Nicki Minaj Pink Friday Roman Reloaded record. It's called Roman Holiday on Sound Opinions. Take your medication, Roman. Take a short vacation, Roman. You'll be okay. You need to know your station, Roman. Some alterations on your clothes and your brain. Take a little break, little break from your That is Roman Holiday by Nicki Minaj, the pride and joy of the LaGuardia High School of the Performing Arts in New York, Greg. Yes, she went to the Fame High School. I think on her first album, it was hard to dislike Nicki Minaj because it was an interesting and unlikely combination of some diverse elements that rarely came together. You had Missy Elliott lyrical and musical eccentricity. You had foul-mouthed Little Kim provocation, you had some gangsta fronting, and you had this sexed-up Cupid doll flirtation. The thing about Pink Friday, Roman Reloaded, is we've gotten one more addition to the Trinidadian stew, and it's one too many. She is adding a heavy pop component that tries to split the difference between Katy Perry and Madonna, with whom she recently appeared on the Super Bowl. And it doesn't work. This is sub-American idol balladry that dominates the second half of a very long album. There's the fact that Minaj cannot sing. She's a very nimble rapper with some inventive rhymes, but she's an awful singer. And here she makes it even worse by imitating, on occasion, this strange Cockney accent. Most offensively, though, Greg, I cannot abide by her frequent use of the B word. Women are all bees or hoes. Again and again and again. It's pointless, foul-mouthed denigration of women. The lyrical content for a good third of this album is nothing short of reprehensible. On the buy it, burn it, trash it scale, all of these things combine to take away the pleasures of her first album and make this a trash it record for me. She's a frustrating artist, Jim. I'll agree with you there. You know, she's created this character. You mentioned the idea of that English accent. It's all spinning out of this alter ego that she's created for herself. Roman Zelansky uh, appeared on her debut album. It's her raging alter ego, her slim shady. But, you know, that track we played, Roman Holiday, I find fascinating on a number of levels. I mean, she's playing three or four characters in that song. 
you know, she's got that frantic rap style. She's got the English accent over this Eastern beat. The vocal part of "All Come All Ye Faithful," <laughs> that Catholic what hymn. Is, what is that doing? You know, there? take your medication, Roman. She's begging. I'm, I, you're right. There's there's sort of a play going on here, and I find that fascinating. Uh, you know, at a certain point, I think, yes, she does have the potential to be the new Missy Elliott. You mentioned Missy, and one of my favorite hip hop artists of the '90s and early 2000s. Absolutely. But my big issue with this album, and I had the same problem with the debut, is that she falls into the same old standard cliches. After that first track, there's a big fall off in terms of the inventiveness. She's turning over a lot of a lot of time on this record to people like Lil Wayne and Chris Brown, who are just trafficking in the same yeah. old sexual cliches. And the last half of the record is very vanilla dance pop. I think what we have seen from Nicki Minaj is that she is an extraordinary cameo artist, but over the course of an entire album, she's a failure so far. i got to give this a trash it rating. So that is a double trash it from us for the number one album in the country this week, Nicki Minaj's Pink Friday, Roman Reloaded. What do we have on the show next week, Greg? Next week, Jim, we are going to look at some of the great second acts in rock history. Greg, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Special thanks to Mary Gaffney and Andrew Gill. Sound Opinions is produced by Robin Lynn, Jason Saldana, and Annie Minoff. And our fearless leader, our executive producer, Tori Southside Malatia. He has a marshal, but inexplicably, it only goes up to three. Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Hello, this is Ross in Bloomington, Indiana. The show's, in fact, not even over yet, but I'm just calling to let you know how much I love the dissection of Amazing Grace. such a great album and mainly I was just so excited as a regular Sound Opinions listener for you to tackle gospel. It's a musical form that I just love. It's so lively and moving um, and uniquely American along with jazz and blues. It's so important to the history of rock and roll and maybe next Easter you can do a show on Mahalia Jackson or the Swan Silvertone. That would be great. Thanks very much for the dissection. Hi guys, this is Gretchen. I'm in Hurley, New York, and I'm calling in response to a show from a while ago about the prison mix. And I would like to suggest that you guys put on the prison mix the Kings of Leon song, Use Somebody. I work for a small liberal arts college. I'm a professor, but I work in a prison. These students are getting a degree from our very prestigious college. I was talking to students after a class one day, and my student said, have you heard this song by Kings of Leon, Use Somebody? He said, I love that song so much. I've been roaming around, always looking down at all I see. Painted faces through the places I can read. You know that I can use somebody You know that I can use somebody It was so mournful to hear his desire for this song. If we love a song, we can listen to it ad nauseum, and we have all been there. But he can't. I don't know where he even heard it. So on his behalf, I would be so honored if you would put that song on the prison mix. Thanks. Hey guys, love the show. This is John from San Francisco. There's a few bands that I keep thinking you're going to mention on the show that you haven't gotten around to that I wanted to mention. Uh, they all have one thing in common. They're all kind of retro indie rock bands. 
Um, one of them is called Girls. They're from San Francisco. They have a 50s rock influence that I just don't hear in very many other bands these days. It's sort of Everly Brothers thing, but also classic rock and Brit popping moments. My favorite new band, indie band, is a British band called Yuck. They have a self-titled album that has Dinosaur Jr. and Teenage Fan Club's fingerprints all over it. It has great guitar playing, and it just walks over so much other current stuff. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Keep up the great messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel anytime. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.